0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to John, glory to you, Lord Christ. John chapter 10, beginning at verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand, who is not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that all Holy Scripture is written for our learning, and so we pray now that by your Holy Spirit we would so hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this your Holy Word that we would be changed, changed more and more to be like Christ Jesus for the sake of the world, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. I desperately need a shepherd. But who would shepherd me? I am desperately in need of shepherding. But if I'm honest, who's going to shepherd me? Who's going to shepherd you? You know, the reason why Psalm 23, which we just recited, I think is so popular. We say it at funerals. We often memorize it. We put it on art, objects in our homes. Why Psalm 23? Why is it so popular? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why does this Psalm stand out? Because every human being knows deep down that we are desperately lost without a shepherd. We know how far off we can wander, how wayward we can be without a shepherd. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus looked over the crowds that were gathered before him, and we're told he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is the picture of humanity, desperately in need of a shepherd. And yet Jesus says in John chapter 10, if you turn there with me, John chapter 10 verse 11, he says I am the good shepherd. And, you know, we're always taught in seminary uh, not to do word studies in front of the congregation because it comes off as just you're trying to show off the you know Greek or Hebrew. But I'm going to do it anyway now. The, the truth is in Greek, when we say good shepherd, our English word good does not contain enough to understand what he means by this. When he says, I'm the good shepherd, there are two words for good in Greek. The one is agathos, which we get the word, or the name agatha from, and that means morally upright, just like really good, a good shepherd. Like, you know, there's bad shepherds and there's good shepherds, right? There's another word, kalos, which goes much further. Kalos means beautiful, beautifully good, genuinely good, outstandingly good. And this is the word that Jesus uses of his shepherding. I am the beautiful, outstandingly good shepherd, better than any shepherd you could ever imagine. What Jesus is promising us is that he has come to shepherd us, to answer that question, that longing within our hearts. I need a shepherd. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. But here's what's fascinating. As we look at John chapter 10 together this morning, is we see three things among many in this text, about shepherds and sheep. First of all, we see that we, like sheep, are wayward. We are so easily going to get ourselves lost. That's the first thing we need to recognize, that we are terribly wayward, like sheep, but also that we're also terribly weak, that we're desperately indefensible, that there's a great predator coming for us and we can do nothing to stand against him. We are wayward and we are weak. But not only are we wayward and weak, we like sheep are wicked. Now you may say, come on, that's a bit much. Poor little sheep, are they really wicked? Trust me, they may not be wicked, but we the sheep are wicked, okay? But here's the good news of God in Jesus Christ, which we see in John 10 this morning that though we like sheep are wayward and weak and wicked, Jesus wants to be our good shepherd. He wants to shepherd you. And he wants to shepherd me. See, first we need to recognize that sheep are wayward. We, like sheep, are wayward. Jesus says in verse 14, I know my own and my own know me. The question is, do we actually know him? Verse three and four, he's more specific. He says, The sheep know my voice. Do we know his voice? Do we hear his shepherd call directing and guiding us? Because sheep are terribly wayward. We wander like crazy. You know, in the ancient Near East, a shepherd would have a particular special call that he would call out over the countryside and his sheep would actually hear the call and respond. And you can even still see this today. Today in the Middle East, in different portions, you can see shepherds bringing multiple flocks into one area at night for protection come into a valley five or six different flocks of sheep mixed with a few goats that's another story from Matthew 25 but sheep mixed together with goats coming into a whole area together and all the sheep just mixed together like five or six flocks overlapping and you think how are we ever going to solve this I mean, how can the shepherd make sure he gets his own sheep back? They all mix together. They protect them through the night, in the morning. You can see this still today. Each of the shepherds will go stand at a different point along the hillside. And each of them will utter their own unique, special shepherd's call. And you'll watch the sheep are on the move. And they move towards their particular shepherd. The sheep know their shepherd's voice and they follow him. Do we know our shepherd's voice? Or do we not recognize his voice among the cacophony of other voices and siren songs screaming out for us in our culture, promise that this voice will fix me, this voice will heal me, this voice will lead me to greener pastures? Do we know the shepherd's voice? Do we hear and recognize the shepherd's voice? You know, before we had... Caller ID on our phones. You remember when he actually used to answer the phones when they rang? Do you remember that day when we used to just, the phone would ring and you just, hi. You know, nowadays, I don't know who that is. But before we had caller ID, right, we'd, we'd answer the phone and, and you'd figure out who's calling. You'd actually have to have a dialogue with somebody. Now, if you were calling someone, you would approach that phone call in different ways depending on the quality and the closeness of your relationship, right? So if I was calling someone I did not know, I would call them and have to introduce myself. I'd have to use all my name and probably my title and my position and say, this is Father Paul Donison calling from Christchurch and I'm calling about this, right? Well, if I was calling someone I knew a bit better, I could probably drop the whole Christchurch bit and just say, this is Father Paul Donison, oh. If I was calling a friend, I could drop a whole bunch of it and just say, hey, it's Paul calling. But there was always one person I could phone. And whenever I phoned her, I could just say, hi. (laughs) And she knew who was calling. And that was my wife, Monica. And she could do the same with me. With one word, hi, we knew exactly who was calling. No caller ID, just the recognizing of the voice. Friends, Jesus has not left us without his voice. Through the word of God, through the scriptures, Jesus yet speaks today. The question is, are we engaging his voice enough that we can recognize his voice ringing out over all the other voices? Are we listening for his guidance and leadership? Are we studying? Are we hearing, reading, listening, soaking in his word so that we can always know his voice when he speaks? I like how J.I. Packer says this of the voice of Jesus, of the study of God's word. He said, disregard the study of God's word and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction, no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. Now there's some in the room that I think, really, you think Jesus' voice is that important? As you enter into his voice, as you listen again and again in your life, you will find Jim's, Jim Packer's words to be nothing but truth. Without the voice of Jesus, we are lost, lost. Jesus is speaking to us, are we lost? Listening, his word is very near. You know, it's fascinating what happens when people stop listening to the voice of Jesus. When I stop listening to the voice of Jesus for a period of time, we become terrible versions of ourselves. One of the greatest examples of this in scripture is in Second Kings chapter 23. So, in Second Kings chapter 23, if you can imagine, Israel lost the Bible for a generation. Yes, it actually happened, they lost the Bible for a whole generation. They lost the book of the law. And in one generation of not having God speaking his word over them, they became so corrupt. When they finally, under Josiah, the king, found the book of the law in the temple, Hilkiah found it. Can you imagine finding the Bible? Go, Wow, we, we didn't know that God had actually spoken. And here it is. And they began reading the Bible. And here's what they discovered. And they had to make some quick repairs and some reforms. In one generation of not listening to God's word, they found that in the temple of God, there were all these items, these instruments, these tools that were being used to worship pagan gods. And they were like, well, I guess those have got to go. And they found also in the temple of God, there were priests who had been set up to be priests of pagan gods to pray to and worship other gods. And they were like, well, I guess those priests have got to go as well. And then they found in the temple as well, there were there was an Asherah pole. There was literally a statue that was for another pagan god in the temple of Israel. And they said, well, that's got to go. And then on top of that, they discovered there were even these houses within the temple of God to house male pagan prostitutes who were there to kind of get the gods of the pagan world excited and worship and they were like well these have got to go one generation of not hearing the voice of the shepherd and look how far off they went and it's easy for us to go oh Israel look at look at look at them look at yourself look at myself when we stop listening we become terrible versions of ourselves God's word is very near to us He's speaking to us. We can hear the shepherd's voice day after day, guiding, leading us. You know, one of my favorite things, and I can say this on behalf of other preachers, one of my favorite things is when you'll come up to me or another preacher after a service and say, you know, I felt like you just wrote that sermon for me. Like you've been clearly reading my emails or installing surveillance equipment around my house or something. Like you just spoke every word right to me. And we we always feel like, well, praise God. But you know what's even better than that? It's those moments when you come up to a preacher after a service and you say, thank you so much for speaking so clearly. And you said this, this, and this. And we sort of shake your hand and go, I didn't say that at all no, 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 you said this and there was, you said this and and then there was this bit and I'm thinking, "Mm, that's great, that wasn't me. It wasn't me at all because you were not hearing the preacher's voice. You were hearing the shepherd's voice speaking in this moment in real time into your very heart and mind and soul. In the words of Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We are so wayward as sheep and yet the shepherd's voice speaks. Are we hearing it? But it's not just that we're wayward as sheep, we're also weak. See, there's an enemy that's been coming at us ever since Genesis chapter three, an enemy that we can't deal with, an enemy called death. The result of our sinful rebellion Death has come on the scene and it comes for each and every one of us. And we can do whatever we can to ignore it and pretend it's not there. But the truth is death is always before us. And this enemy, before this enemy, we are completely defenseless and weak. You know, in verse 12 of John 10, Jesus says, the hired hand, who's not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep... And flees, and the wolf comes and snatches them, the sheep, and scatters them. He says, he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is speaking these words to every other false shepherd, false worldview, false ideology that claims, we can fix you, we can heal you, we can save you. He says, at the end of the day, they are hired hands and they care nothing for you, and they can do nothing for you ultimately. Death will come upon you no matter what. See, as a former atheist, whenever I'm engaging with someone who's a non-believer, you know, people can often think if you start trying to evangelize them, oh, you're trying to override, you know, my worldview. And I always say, yes, of course I am, because I think my worldview is superior to yours, but that's okay, you can keep yours. Like, if you want to, I mean, you can be kind about it. Say, I truly believe that, that what Jesus has given me and given the church is the superior worldview over every other worldview, right? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'll say, but you're entitled to keep your opinion. I mean, honestly, I will respect you for holding to your opinion, but I only ask you to do this. Take the hardest things in life and throw them at your worldview and see if your worldview stands. Take suffering and throw it at your worldview and say, does your worldview stand in the face of suffering? What about disappointment? What about sin? What about twisted brokenness within you? And what about death? Can your worldview stand up against death, truly stand up against death? When you're lying in a hospital bed one day, will you hold to this worldview and say, this is going to get me through the next few hours? Or will you find it falls to pieces? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. It's interesting, earlier in the passage, Jesus says in verse seven, that He is the door to the sheep. And you read that and you think, well, I thought we were talking about you being the good shepherd. And over here, you're talking about being the door to the sheep and the gate. And you think, Jesus, you know, which, which is it? Like you're kind of mixing your metaphors here. I mean, I was told when I was in, you know, 10th grade English, it's like you don't mix your metaphors. You know, stick with one metaphor. Jesus, are you the gate or are you the shepherd? And the truth is, if you understand what an ancient Near Eastern shepherd is, the shepherd is the gate. Here's what I mean. See, when the shepherd would bring in the sheep into an enclosed pen to protect them at night, get them all in there. The shepherd not only has his staff and his rod to protect them, but he has his very own body. The ancient Near Eastern shepherd would lay his body across the entrance to the sheep pen and sleep there. Why? That way, no sheep could crawl over him to get out and no predator could crawl in to the pen because his own body was in the way. He was placing his own body between the sheep and the predator, between us and the wolf, between humanity and death itself. This is what Peter means in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he says he himself Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds we have been healed. And then he says, we all have gone astray and now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. What Peter is saying is in the cross, on the cross, in that moment on Calvary, when Jesus is bearing the sinful practices and history of humanity in his own body, taking it in our place, dying the death we should have died, That what he is doing, in fact, is demonstrating himself to be our greatest shepherd, laying his own body between us and death itself. We are weak, totally defenseless in the face of death, and Jesus comes and lays his own life, his own body, between us and the predator. No wonder he's an outstandingly good shepherd. But even more, it's not just that we are wayward and that we're weak, but we're wicked. Now you might say that's a bit much. I mean, come on, sheep, are they really wicked? Well, they're stupid. I mean, you uh, probably saw this viral video uh, a number of years ago, a couple of years ago on YouTube where there's this little shepherd boy in Lebanon and he manages to pull this stupid sheep that's managed to get itself stuck in a crevice out of the crevice. And it takes Herculean effort to get this sheep out. He finally gets the sheep out. And you think, praise the Lord. And the sheep shakes itself off and then jumps right back into the crevice. And I look at that and think, how often does my own spiritual life look just like that? Just as Jesus has rescued me, I'm back right at it again. See, it's not just stupidity and foolishness but we truly have something wicked within us, a brokenness within us. We fall back into sin again and again. We fall back in love with things that we should have repented of long ago. And we do it again and again, and there is something deeply wicked and broken within us. And yet, Jesus says he wants to be our good shepherd. Do you notice in verse 14, where he says, I know my own and my own know me. So he's saying, I know you. Like, I I totally know you. And then he says something even more profound in verse 15. He says, as the Father knows me and I know the Father. In other words, I know you, y'all, the sheep, just as much in the same way with the same level of knowing that I know the Father and the Father knows me. That that level of knowing between the eternal father of heaven and the son of heaven eternally forever together, that level of knowing is how much he knows you. He penetrates your very soul and heart and mind. That's why at the beginning of our worship service every Sunday, we say, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. We're acknowledging that God knows us. He knows us to the core. But here's the good news of God. It would be terrifying to know that God knows everything about us if it wasn't for the fact that this shepherd then still wants to be our shepherd. He knows us and he still loves us. You know, we often get that sequence wrong. We often think that God comes and does his work of restoration and redemption in our lives. Like I'm gonna fix them up a bit and then says, ah, look at this. Now I can love this child. That's not how it works with God. God comes first in love to those who are wicked and broken and wayward, weak. And says, "I love you. Now let me come and rescue you." That's what John 3:16 says. Listen to the order. God so loved the world first that he gave his only begotten son to the end that all who believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. This is the hope of the gospel. That God knows you and I to our very core and still chooses to be our shepherd, still chooses to lay down his life for the sheep. It must be lunacy or it must be amazing love. You know, I close with this that I don't know if this story is true or not. I kind of hope it is. I don't really care actually if it is. It doesn't really matter. It still is a great story. But long ago, back when the Tsars ruled Russia, there was Tsar Nicholas, right, the Romanovs. And this is the true story, we know this, is that Tsar Nicholas was known to dress up as a common soldier and go amongst his ranks so that they wouldn't know the emperors among them, just to see what was going on among the troops. And this actually was recorded, went on. So in one of these stories about Tsar Nicholas, he's walking through the camp dressed as a meager soldier the emperor himself, and he walks into one particular tent where the guy who I guess is in charge of the money is going through all the accounts. And he finds this man who's just passed out, drunk, passed out on the ledger, just gone. And he looks at the ledger and he realizes what this man has been doing is allocating and adding up all the embezzlements that he's done over the years to the army. Like this is all the stuff that this man has stolen from the army, from the emperor himself. I mean, it's this massive long list. And at the bottom of it, the man has simply written, who can pay such a debt? Well, it turns out the man had intended to take his life that night, just in the face of this horrible debt he could never repay. And he got himself so drunk, he just passed out before he took his life. And the emperor looks over the ledger and sees this man's sin laid out and sees this poor man laid out, this deeply wicked sinner. And sees that line written where he says, who could pay so great a debt? And the emperor takes the pen and writes his own name. In answer, Nicholas. Nicholas can take the debt. Seals it with his emperor's ring. And when the man wakes up, he sees that the emperor himself has paid and forgiven the debt. Friends, I share this simply for this purpose. The God of heaven has looked into the books of your life and my life. He's looked at the great list of brokenness and sin that lays before us. He's looked into the books and he said, I will pay. I will pay. This is why he is the outstandingly beautiful, genuine shepherd of our souls. I am in desperate need of a shepherd, and so are you. The question is will anyone shepherd us? We who are wayward, we who are very weak, we who are very truly wicked, he has come and said, I want you, I will be your shepherd. Each and every week, friends, we get ourselves lost and wayward out there. And each and every week, the shepherd comes for us in the words of Luke chapter 15, finding the lost sheep, putting us on his shoulders and bringing us home rejoicing that this sheep that was lost is now found again. And he brings us here not because we chose to be good sheep, but because he chose to be our good shepherd. Friends, the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not be in want. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.